Coming to you from a basement in Colorado, these two childhood best friends try to expand their horizons by experiencing the best in art, music, movies, literature, and experiences. These cultural pearls might get trampled in the process, but at least the pigs are going to be happy. This is the Swine Before Pearls podcast with Joel and Trent. Hello and welcome back to the Swine Before Pearls podcast. The podcast where we go before the greatest pearls of all time, <laughs> the best media, the best books, the best everything. And we and trample it. <laughs> we trample it. Do not throw your pearls before swine lest they trample them. Boy. Instead, let the swine seek out the pearls so that they can trample them on their own accord. Boy, we're about to trample some pearls out here. Oh gosh. No, we we do not we want to be careful how we talk about this because this is this is a yeah, very it's it's sensitive. But yeah. we're, I, we're talking about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, really a cultural touchstone, a cry for revolution, if you will. <laughs> um, you know, it deals it deals with drug usage yeah. and crying sometimes when you're lying in bed just to get it Why, out. <laughs> why'd you look at me when you said both those things? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. OK, that was I, I was talking about the one by four non blondes, but we're actually talking about. <laughs> Uh, Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On," which does have similar themes, uh, interestingly enough. Oh, I see. I don't. I I know the words to the Four Non Blondes song, but I mean, I don't. I don't know the similarities between the two. Well, uh, you know, it's it's about like you know protest and uh, like being upset with the status quo. Yeah, and yeah. I wake up in the morning and I step outside. And- take a deep breath and i get real high and, and I that s- yeah okay and and i scream from the top of my lungs what's going on where Mar- marvin gay asks rather nicely what's going on yeah that that i never really thought about that cuz we kind of joked about that a little bit before we started the 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 topic reading into the podcast and we were joking about you know the four non blonde song and now that you're saying it in front of me i'm like Actually, there are a few similarities yeah, that, there. Yeah, that see that we're already we're already swine. Just like, hey, that that song is is just like. Remember that uh, the meme. meme. <laughs> Remember <laughs> He Man. <laughs> this is an important album that deals with uh, serious topics. Yeah, and I all I can think of is memes. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I it it is it's a weird it it's it's a weird first listen. It's definitely not like something to put on your driving playlist for twenty four seven like yeah. you did. Oh, um, that was rough. That yeah, was, that was rough. How, how did that go for you? Yeah. So um, yeah, because we talked about um for a whole week, it'll be just listen to this album. That was like kind of our premise was well dive into an album for a whole week. And I think that meant something very different for you than it did for me because I listened <laughs> to music on my commute and like I was helping Steven move. Uh, Steven's our producer, by the way. Thank you, Steven, yeah, thank for you, Steven. giving us all the things we need to actually and do this. So I listened to the album probably five times in a day, <laughs> just driving back and forth between uh, Steven's house and my house and just helping him with the move. And it kind of drove me insane. Um, just <laughs> hearing this album over and over again, which is not like no disrespect to the album. Um, but 
I was definitely at the point where, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't speak this musical language. Yeah. And I really grew to appreciate the album. Yeah. But only after I, um, like really dove into it and I needed to actually understand it before, um, just diving as heavily as I did. Oh man. And like mad respect to you for committing to that because I think I like to set very lofty goals of like, oh yeah, let's just like listen to this nonstop and this will be the only thing we listen to. But I listen to maybe probably like three songs a day and it's like, you know, so you, you were pretty balls deep in it. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to take any choo-choo out of your train right now, but I could tell like that was starting to take a little bit of a mental effect. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was rough, you know, like I'm I'm just adjusting to this album, right? And yeah. I just like it's one thing when it's like this is my first listen to it. Yeah. And I'm not quite adjusted. It usually takes me a couple of adjustments to listen to an album, but I'm just listening to this for the first time. Yeah. And I'm sitting in traffic. It's like <laughs> stop and go traffic. And I'm just pissed. Save the children. <laughs> <laughs> Like we're 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 crapping on this this album. I want no no no. We're not we're not crapping on it. it. Like it it. I do want to make clear the audience that this is a is a good piece of art. It's a good piece of work. It's there's there's a reason why it's listed by Rolling Stones as the best album ever written. There's a lot of content. There's a lot of meat to it. Yeah. At the same time, I did not speak that musical language again. I was diving headfirst into something that I had no context for. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it is it is psychedelic Motown. You know, it's all these it's it's all these styles mashed up, and you know, to for you, you know, if if you're used to listening to music from the '90s or the two, early 2000s, or maybe some of the more mainstream stuff from the '70s kind of having that suddenly into your musical palette is like, you know, being a newborn baby and having steak tartare for the first time, you know, it's just, it's raw meat and you yeah. don't really know what to do with it. And you're a baby. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what it was. I just, I just wasn't ready for yeah. um, the sounds that were on. this album. Yeah. Uh, like I, I like a lot of this stuff in, in small doses or at least, I, I did before where like the first song what's going on I heard that oh this is like this is like that intro music on Bob Ross yeah and I was like this is this is kind of a, a nice little groove but as it goes on like I had I developed kind of an ASMR spine tingle mm-hmm. where like people like ASMR for that spine tingle oh, I yeah. don't I really don't it makes me uncomfortable I was I was listening to this in the car and I just felt trapped I, I'm stuck with this ASMR spine tingle, <laughs> and I'm just trying to get home. Well, it's good to know that you're not a weirdo that you know watches those at nine p.m. every yeah. night. Oh, that's pretty specific, though. You got you got some stories. <laughs> no, <to tell. laughs> no. I've shown you a few videos that yeah, I've, I've watched you... in the ASMR okay. channel. That that Chick Fil A girl. <laughs> She was she was opening the sauces. You know, was that your, you know what's, was that an, an ironic watch for you? You know what's I I joke about these things that it's like oh yeah this is this is all irony, but you know what's funny that you bring that up because I was in Chick Fil A 
drive through this morning and you know what I was thinking about? I was <laughs> I was thinking about, about the that ASMR. Oh god. Because I was just like, man, I wonder if the guy just like whispered through the, you know, the little microphone they use at the drive through. My pleasure. And then just tapped <laughs> on the chicken a little bit before he served me. Um Okay. Okay. We're yeah. Let, let's actually talk <laughs> let's, about let's dive in. the album itself. Um look at these pearls yeah. we are trampling. Yeah. I what really started my appreciation for this album was when I actually listened or when I looked up the lyrics yeah. and like looked up some analysis for it uh, because there are like meaningful things. And this was like a time machine for me. Like, let's go back to the time of the Vietnam War. Let's see what it's like uh, for black people as they experience this, you know, incredibly chaotic and yeah troubling time yeah no the 70s were a really weird transition point for america like there was so much stuff going on you had you know different groups of people starting to pop up in ways that they were never there before like oh all of a sudden we have these veterans who are coming home and they aren't you know praised like they were in world war ii and you know, now we have all these like ethnic groups in America that are speaking their voices and, and it's being heard. And there's all this division. And something I noticed about it is like. It's it's like a, it's like a cry for help in his era, but it's so it's so bleak. He's like trying to figure out, like, is it going to get better? Is it going to get better? And I was like, when I was kind of fleshing that together i kind of sat there and i was like well did it did it get better like if if marvin gay was still around like would he write the same song today that you know he wrote now like and that was an interesting question that kind of popped up for me i mean yeah i think you're specifically like referring to the line are things getting better like the newspaper said yeah which you know now <laughs> you you look at the news and uh they're they're not even trying to tell you that things are getting better although that is that is also how they get the clicks <laughs> they gotta make that sweet sweet click money gotta let people know that things are going about paper but i mean to to be fair i mean we we're just like we we just experienced like a worldwide lockdown yeah for a global pandemic Right about that one, Marvin. Yeah. Where, where's Marvin now? <laughs> yeah, but gosh. Um, trying to think, just because, like, this this album really got to me in terms of thinking about the Vietnam War. Yeah. Because I remember growing up, I'd hear about all these wars and think to myself, like, there's nothing really stopping my future self from ending up getting drafted in a war. It's just, it's like entirely out of my control. Yeah. And that was like a fear for me growing up. And these these guys who got sent to Vietnam lived that. Mm. Uh, and there, there was like this cynicism both in and out of the war. Yeah. Where we, we ended up dry, backing out and um, the American people were like, we shouldn't have participated in this war. Yeah. And 
know, you push that off on the people who were sent to go fight in it. Yeah. And so they're receiving all the blame for something that they probably don't feel strongly about themselves. Mm. And you know, war war is hell. Yeah. Like like uh what what's happening for other sets. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy that you uh kind of mentioned that that national shame that America kind of has a little bit when it comes to the Vietnam War because I was I was in Vietnam not in the war obviously <laughs> um, Back I, as a cheeky tourist wearing a floral shirt but you know I was in Vietnam for like 2 weeks and I was driving a, a you know a moped up and down the coast with my girlfriend at the time and you know it was surreal to see all this american like tanks artillery that just got abandoned like they just abandoned all of that stuff there and and it's almost like paraded around as like a trophy and we went to this museum like vietnam war museum and they had pictures of like gis that they had captured and killed and like and it was like in a celebration of them of you know the Viet Cong winning the war and it was like wow this is this is wild because like when we grow when we've grown up in America it's like we're the good guys we always win we always do the right thing you know that's kind of what you think for a while and then you get there and you're like man i i felt like deep emotional like like feelings when i was in those museums and looking at those pictures of like americans my age in this war who now their photo is is used as a as a um propaganda piece and it was like if i feel this way now not even like being directly tied to it i can't even imagine what it was like back then in the thick of it you know when that was the national conversation the world conversation and you had these guys going over there and coming back super messed up and not knowing how to deal with society in America. And when I think about songs and I think about like like war Vietnam War songs, like you have like your classic movie like helicopter music of like, oh, we're going in and we're gonna do some we're gonna do some cool stuff and we're gonna fight a war. But you never get that like I think like this is pretty unique because I don't think I've ever in my experience, I haven't heard music before that's like touched upon that topic the way that this album has and um the way yeah so it's it's critical of the war but it's also sensitive to the people who fought it especially like since his own brother yeah fought in the war that definitely changes your perspective yeah no yeah the that was something that was cool to look up with research was like oh his brother was in this he has he's not just some dude who you know wasn't you know didn't have any actual emotional or real connection to it it's like man your family's over there and you know that song's pretty much written for his brother but also the brothers of the nation and you know i think there's a certain tragedy in that song what's happening brother like i don't know if this is the intent of the line but um it's written the song is written from his brother's perspective and his brother asks 
know, are they are they still getting down where we used to go? Like, are they still dancing, um, like at the same spot we used to dance? And like, I remember coming back from college, it was very difficult, um, just seeing how all my friends had kind of uh, lived their own lives without me, and I missed out on seeing that. I missed out on that friendship, and you know, to come back, you know, it. It wasn't me going and finding myself at college. It was the government said, hey, you guys are going to go fight in a war for us. And you, you don't really have a choice. And now that, you know, now that you're back, you've missed out on all these things. Yeah. And you've, you've lost that life. You, you lost that life that you used to have, that enjoyment you used to have with your friends. Yeah. And just even like culturally, like the 70s were such a weird time for culture. Like everyone's growing their hair out. And he like mentions growing hair out in a couple of these songs. But everyone's like growing their hair out super long. Everyone's wearing these super weird print. Like that must have felt alien. Oh, yeah. Like (laughs) it's a huge cultural change. And coming back from that, uh, when. You've been living in a completely different world. Yeah. That that's earth shattering. It kind of reminds me of like Forrest Gump. Have you have you seen no, Forrest Gump? Seen oh Forrest. shoot. Hopefully that'll come up well, in one of our movies. That'll probably come up on the movies. But there was a point where he, you know, he grows up in a small town in Alabama and he comes back from the war and then they throw him up on this podium to speak. And it's just this kind of surreal shot because he's in all this military uniform he's been in the war for i don't know how many years <laughs> he's surrounded by all these hippies and it's just like he looks just like a complete stranger i have no idea what's going on here culturally and you know another song that really touches on this and i think this is a song that if you don't know what's going on it sounds really stupid mm. is save the children mm. uh, because you listen to that first and you're like what does that even mean save the children uh, like just the wording on it kind of silly and cheesy yeah but you know you actually start thinking about it and like <clears throat> as i got later and like appreciated the album more it became one of the songs that kind of stuck with me more because he's he's just like screaming save the children save the babies and it's like he, he's not talking about like literal babies but these these young kids like i'm only 24 like that's it. But, you know, you go you go back six years for me, eighteen years old. You think, man, was I prepared for a war at six or at eighteen years old? <laughs> nah, dude, no. you're a baby. <laughs> no, I was a little baby. I had so much maturing and growing up to do, and I still at twenty four years old do not feel ready to go to <laughs> We're war. Still babies. Like it, it makes me kind of angry. Like if I think back to that time of, yeah, if. If I'm seeing these 18-year-old kids get sent off to a war that's like, we're, we're forcing our ways onto um, this other country, yeah. that's really sickening. And, you know, you're, you're, killing, you're killing the young men of that other nation, too. Yeah. Yeah, you're, he's saying, save, save the kids from the turmoil coming in the nation. Yeah. Boy, but, would, would he have been disappointed to see now that the the babies are on TikTok doing dances. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. But where was I going? I had, I had a really good Nah, time. that's oh, okay. Yeah. But, 
yeah here here's where i really uh jive with this song is he says but but who really cares um who's willing to try yeah um like we we live in a world that's destined to die and we can't stop living like he he's including himself in the mess of just like we're doing our own things you know we we're sending other people to fight our wars but we're just doing our own thing it's not actually our problem yeah and boy does he hit that note on destined to die because that sounds like some some nice you know 1950s frank sinatra club music <laughs> right there when he hit that i was like yeah this this has some chops i mean you know and it, it it's just it's it's such a it's such a structured album um you know it just it it's going in and out of just these different perspectives i think i think like the crazy thing for me was um flying high in friendly skies cuz he's like zooming in and out of all these different cultural events and i think a very important cultural event in the 1970s was you know, obviously the the use of psychedelics um, and people were just kind of starting to be more free with with drug use, all this other stuff. So, you know, he's watching all this stuff happen, but he's actively participating in this cultural revolution because he's super high. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but I think it, that song is a double edged sword, you know, flying high in friendly skies. Um, you know, he, you know, Marvin Gaye from, from what I was looking up about him, he was dealing, he's dealing with a lot of stuff. He didn't have a great home life. You know, his brother's overseas and, you know, he starts using marijuana, which is, you know, whatever you want to say about that kind of gets into it. And then he starts going to harder stuff and it's funny because that term friendly skies was like a common airline term. Yeah, it's uh, the frontier airline. Yeah. It, it, it's like, a, it's like a campaign slogan that's saying, Hey, you're going to fly high in the friendly skies, but it's, it's, it's like, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. Um, Cause it's an advertisement and advertisements are kind of false promises sometimes. And just that's a good point. And I really like that. Just with the same way with drugs are false promises because it's like, hey, you're gonna fly high up in these friendly skies. But then he like talks about um, you know, coming down and he says, Oh Lord, self-destruction is in my hand. Oh Lord, so stupid minded. Oh, and I go crazy. I can't find it. Well, I know I'm hooked, my friends. To the boy who makes slaves out of men. And crazy. You can see in that song that like the the whole vibe of the song, if you if you don't think about it critically, it sounds kind of positive. It's like that's um, what I thought when yeah, I first we're, heard we're it. Just, we're just floating through, we're we're enjoying the high. Yeah. Right. But and I think that's that's the reality of it is you know you you look deeper into drug addiction i mean there there's a reason why people do get high it's it's great while you're high but then um you know, if you're if you're stuck in these habits of 
drug abuse, like there's that little subtext there. Once this is over, once you land, yeah, you've got you've got hell to pay. Yeah, there's there's always a come down, and you know, nothing ever really changes. And then you know, the jaws press down harder on you the more the more you go up, and you're paying a higher price. And I think that just adds so much more interesting context, not only to his life, but this album in the way it flows, because, you know, he goes for like talking about war, talking about this, talking about that. And then he's like sitting in his chair on what he's doing right now. And ultimately, you know, all that stuff kind of catches up to him in his life as well, uh, which is, you know, tragic. Um, And I think, what really sets this album apart is that Marvin Gaye isn't like sitting on his high horse saying like you guys suck, you guys suck, everybody sucks. Yeah, the world's dying. Yeah. It's you know there's there's a whole lot of crap here, but he's also honest with with uh the audience and he says, you know, here's my drug addiction problem. You know, I'm not doing enough to help here. Yeah. Um, so he, he's addressing societal problems and acknowledging that he is part of the problem. Yeah, it turns is, super introspective. Yeah, it, it's very, it's a very mature approach, where I think the common approach, especially these days, and I'm, it feels almost hypocritical the way I'm talking about it. Be but, a hypocrite. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people who just like point their fingers at the world and say like, "You're a problem," and "You're a problem," and in reality, um, you know. We we all probably contribute to the problems of the world, and we need to we need to be honest with ourselves. How could you fix the world if your room is messy? <laughs> oh, clean your room first, then clean the world around you. Yeah, Kermit the Frog said that one time oh, too. Yeah. So he's he's a great philosopher. You, should, you guys should probably check him out as well. Um, I think another one that really hit me is God is Love. Um, uh, this is this is actually probably my favorite song on the album. Yeah, this one hit me a lot, and I think we could probably speak to it, you know, from a good personal perspective, and also probably speak to the context of the lyrics as well in this one. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So just for context, we we are both uh, Christians, and uh, I think I'm trying my best. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this music. This song is really meaningful to me. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of Christian music is pretty empty and you know, dealing with religious themes. Uh like it, it's just like, you know, I'm going I'm experiencing minor problems, uh, but God came to help. So yeah. thank you. But uh, this song I think is much more meaningful where especially in the context of the whole album, it's a, like He's bringing up all these problems, and then um, he says, "Like, hey, like, we there's there's a clear good way to live, mm-hmm. right? Where you know God God gave us a beautiful world, and all He asks of us is we give each other love. Yeah, right. So you look at all the problems He addresses. Uh, you know, the Vietnam War. If we if we loved our neighbors." If we loved the people who lived in Vietnam, if we loved the young boys who were sending to war, would we really be uh, handling the situation in this way? Mm-hmm. What, would we really be fighting this war? Is that is that 
a like god loving attitude if we uh, if we destroy our environment is that is that how we honor god yeah uh, he's he's dealing with real issues and saying like especially Back in the day, we kind of think of as more of a religious time, but you have all these issues, and you say, "Are they are they really like following the uh, commandment to love your neighbor as yourself?" Yeah, I think the big one for me is so Marvin is talking about God, the God as a father, and if you like dig into his background. Marvin Gaye ultimately got shot by his father and got killed by his father. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a that... re- really interesting tidbit to this one in particular. So that really changed the way I kind of looked at that song. And, you know, it just it just adds more meat to that al- this album in general. Um, just to know facts like that, to know things that were going on in his life, um, despite all the the world yeah. <laughs> events. And, and once again, that's a much more that makes it much more personal, right? Yeah, where, makes it super personal. Uh, you know, he he's talking about you know all these family structures. You know, he he's talking about like love your father, love your mother, love your sister, love your brother, all of that stuff is like much more personal when you look at his toxic family relationships yeah and so that's a that's a really powerful insight you've brought in there that's just goes to show that we need to be reading more lyrics behind our music because i think it changes the way we view music yeah so we need to go through some of our old our old bible (laughs) bible songs and start looking for more meaning because who knows what was going behind Jesus Loves Me? Who uh, knows? Um, but uh, a really good song that I liked a lot was definitely Mercy, Mercy Me. Um, yeah. Or as I call it, the Deep Ecology song. Well, um, you're, you're pretty close because it's, it's parentheses, the ecology. I know, but I call it Deep Ecology. Oh, the Deep Ecology song. Yeah. All right, explain what, why is it specifically the Deep Ecology song? So Deep Ecology is essentially um, it's more of a meme for me just because <laughs> uh, there's a certain uh, man who, you oh, know, may gosh. or may not have mailed some uh, certain you, packages. You always bring this guy <laughs> up. And he's in a Colorado prison right now. No, no. <laughs> um, I just call it the Deep Ecology song because I think it's funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go, go, you know, Marvin takes on a lot of different themes and or a lot of different political views, and now he's taking on anarcho primitivism. Anarcho primitivism. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny about this this song, or not funny, but what's interesting about this song is like the climate crisis, or just talking about nature conservation in general was not a very mainstream topic in the 1970s yeah i think like i and i don't know just because i was so young at the time but um i remember (laughs) like as a grade schooler i i definitely felt like the the conversations about like going green and you know 
um, environmentally responsible products were kind of a newer thing. Yeah. Like I remember that was like a big marketing push. And it's still, it's still a big marketing push. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it has as much steam as it did in like the early 2000s, kind of when we were coming up and it's kind of found its own little subculture now. So it's kind of in its own subculture and sometimes it enters the national conversation. But I mean, back in the 1970s, like it's like drill, baby, drill, let's drive cars. You know, all this other stuff is going on that nobody cares about that there's a little bit of smog over the city or maybe that the oceans aren't as clean as they used to be. You know, that was not on anybody's mind. And it's like Marvin Gaye's like, He's really at this point where he's becoming incredibly introspective about everything going on in the world, yeah, and including environment. I mean, even even by you know the title, you can tell that he's deeply bothered by this. Like this isn't like this isn't a song called "This is a growing and pressing concern that needs addressed." This is like mercy, mercy me, like <laughs> oh, oh mercy. Like, I have a few concerns. The, yeah, this is. <laughs> this is like hey this is this is disastrous yeah like no like these these large corporations don't care what they're doing you know let's let's spill oil in the ocean you know we've, we've got fish full of mercury yeah but like if we did anything about that it'd affect our bottom line mm-hmm. um you know but and now yeah. we have an incredibly large consumption of mercury because of all the fish we eat and especially in japan where they eat a ton of (laughs) a ton of fish and fish full of mercury leads to people full of mercury it turns out yeah and i don't think people are thermometers and we're meant to have a ton of mercury in them to show what the temperature is outside so it's not a good thing but it's just i i wonder where he was writing this song from you know was he in Remember when we went to LA, like oh yeah, and how just smoggy it was the entire time. It was so smoggy, and and we would drive around, and we were even at this like really nice place we were staying on a rooftop that you could see out over the city, and it was like wow, this is nice, and then it's just like yeah. Well, you see, uh, global warming is a big old hoax, so we actually don't have to do anything about. Um, any environmental issues whatsoever wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah no uh yeah get getting contemporary trent's trent's being sarcastic i think if you can tell but but i wonder where he was writing this from like he was probably he was probably in california he was probably in california like writing that that would make sense yeah i mean somewhere somewhere where like it's very prevalent to see and and if i can get like kind of real for a second nature is probably one of our greatest assets to mental health oh um, absolutely and marvin gay he's he's being like i said very introspective we've already covered that he's looking at the issues of the world but you can tell this is like crushing his soul yeah like there's not a ton of hope in this album and this is a guy who's doing you know tons of drugs to escape you know he's got all this stuff going on with his home life everything 
And the man can't even go outside and enjoy just like pure nature. And that that is something that is kind of hard to deal with. You think like you go into areas where it is pure nature. We're we're very fortunate to live in Colorado and have the mountains like right nearby. But what's that? I said Scobuff. Oh gosh. You don't even care about the bus. No, I don't. No. <laughs> but we're we're losing like, you know, if we don't steward our resources correctly, then we'll run out of, you know, all of these beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it did kind of bother me. Like, I, I like to just take walks on local trails and like it does like kind of seep into my mind as I'm walking them. Like, you know, th- this is pretty, but I'm missing out on what this could be because mm-hmm. You know, all all of this housing is built around me. And that's very necessary. Like, people have to live in places. Yeah. But at the same time, we're losing something in order to gain that. And, you know, sometimes it's not even necessary that we lose all this. It's just, you know. I wonder in the future, are we just going to have, like, some, like, like ecosphere? Like, not, not even, like, a national park. Just an ecosphere where... There's just going to be plant life and animal life, and it all lives there. And it's all around this huge city development, but it's just this big park. Hmm. And that's all you get. Yeah. And it's like a like, hundred, uh, it's like maybe a thousand acres. What are what are those called? Like, what's the place we visited in San Francisco? Like a botanical garden. Yeah, like all that we have left really is botanical garden. That was a perfect example, though, because I, I was enjoying my time at the botanical gardens. But at the same time, we were in San Francisco. You know, it it felt off to me. You know, it felt like I wasn't truly able to appreciate, oh, man, this plant is from Australia and it's so wild and so cool. It it was man-made nature. Yeah, it was like, I want to go to Australia and actually see that plant. And I think, I think, you know, there's studies done that says touching grass, touching dirt is good for your serotonin levels. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. So the fact that this guy is seeing all this stuff, can't even get a breakout in nature is just despairing, you know, and I felt that myself. I went on this giant hike. I was having a great time. I was out in nature the entire time, you know, trekking over 100 miles. And one night I had to camp in a burn scar that was it, it wasn't a natural burn scar, like a natural forest fire. It was it was an arson that was done. So I have to camp in these dead trees, all this pollution. You know, I kind of screwed myself over because I didn't plan out my trip as well as I thought I did. But I was very depressed that night. You know, I was so depressed that night because I was there to escape out in nature. And even in this great, vast, pure space, I had to live in like the man-made decisions, you know. So it's so hard to escape from. And I, I think it's amazing that he's touching on this at such a time that that wasn't even thought about you know yeah he was he was really ahead of his time he was ahead of his time and he had a ton of mercury poisoning probably (laughs) yeah we all have a ton of mercury poisoning. the his oh i i don't even know if my brother needs to stop feeding me tuna every night. <laughs> that's <laughs> slow. That's what's Guys, killing my you. My producer is slowly trying to kill me with mercury poisoning because he can't stop making sushi. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, you know what song I really like 
in this album, and it's it's for one word. All right, it's uh, it's makes me want to holla, and the reason I like it is just because I really like the word holler. It's it, it's so meaningful, like, um, uh, and you know, you you say it. I I mean, if I say it, it it's always gonna sound silly coming out of my mouth, but um, you know, we it as like a capstone to the album. It covers all of the themes mm-hmm. very well, where like all of these issues are going on, and it does make you want to scream, like you you look at everything going on and you know there there's personal issues it's not watch the news and watch all this garbage happen it's like i'm dealing with economic crises in my own situation Hmm. um you know and you know crime is increasing you know trigger happy policing all of these like extreme things are happening that you know, I'm sure are personal to him and also at the same time, larger issues. Do you feel that right now in our, in our current year? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there... right, then let's, let's do it. Okay. Song says. Get up. Oh. Get on the corner of the room. Okay. Okay. All right. Dude, Be ready. Dude, do you feel bad? Do you feel bad about our oceans being polluted? It makes me want to holler! Yeah, it makes me yeah. want to holla. That was... <laughs> I'm just doing this to screw our producer, but... Uh... Do it again. Holla. Ah! There we go. Ah! Thank you. Thank that you, Steven. Good. That felt good. Yeah. No. Holla, dude. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of upsetting stuff going on. And, you know, you, you look at the, the complicated balance of things where, you know... I think economically, this has been a rough year. Oh yeah, dude. Um, you know, COVID-wise, this has been a rough year. Like, you know, it it was it was tough going outside. It was tough staying inside. There was, and jobs too, man. Jobs have been super weird just yeah. because there's always like, oh, everybody's looking to hire right now. Every everybody needs to hire right now there's so many jobs and then you apply for like 50 of them and maybe two come back and it's not because we're incompetent you know it's it's just this weird economic time so you know next time you're sending job interviews just go out and scream into the pollution i guess yeah but and and, i don't even know where i was going but I mean, it's it's just been such a mess. I talked briefly last week about my stint as an insurance salesman, <laughs> but basically, I, I I did a week and a half of cold calling, and then I shadowed this other insurance salesman, and it was just this miserable, awkward experience as we drove around the city, and I watched. As he tried to go to different businesses and he said, oh, this business I wanted to go to is closed. This business I wanted to go to is closed. This business I wanted to go to is closed. So I'm going through this hellscape of dealing with the fear I have of cold sales. Meanwhile, I look around the city and it's a mess. Yeah. You know, that, you know, economically, we just got absolutely destroyed. Yeah. And it's super frustrating. 
I have a random question for you. Yeah. What was the what was the insurance salesman like that you were shadowing? Oh, was he was he, he was, was he an dead inside? Fellow. Oh no, he so he he was an interesting fellow um where like he he wasn't like a normal guy socially. Uh like he had he had this like certain like ability to him, but it was also like the sort of like ability where it's like the protagonist of a movie about nerds, you know, <laughs> uh, where he's just like kind of a socially awkward guy and you can tell he's got like a good heart, but like <laughs> I, I call him on zoom and he, he's like just hanging out with his rat. He's got like, he, he's like this pasty guy with kind of a whiny voice. He had a rat. He had a rat. <laughs> and, hey, be nice. He might, he might listen someday. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, and but it was great because you know he he suffered through that uh job, yeah, and came out came out the other side kind of a king. He is he was like the a top performer in the company. Uh, he he said like there's no other opportunity that would get me this much money. Yeah, and he was thriving. And I was able to look at him and say, that's great for him. I think I can find another way in life. I do not want to do this. It's like, hey, man, I'm not really looking to buy Super Mario costumes for my rat and spend my money doing yeah. that. Uh, oh, man, what a bummer. Yeah, gosh. So, it, yeah, he was a super nice guy. Like, after, that, after he did that tour with me, I quit. And then he texted me the next day, like, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go and just kill these clients with kindness. And I have this super like cool strategy planned out. And I was like, hey man, I actually I actually just quit. And he was like, okay, I understand. Oh no, you let Ratman down. <laughs> I let Ratman down. He was oh, so nice. No. He, he spent the whole day showing me around and I I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I hate this. <laughs> That's, oh gosh. Oh man, I'm I'm happy I asked that question. <laughs> yes. You never gosh. really told me about the insurance cuz I I remember like jobs were jobs were tough to come by and I remember when you said you were going to insurance I was like, "Okay, you try this out. It's probably not going to be yeah. you know, I didn't want to be rude about it, but I knew that that was just going to be such a weird world to sink oh, your yeah. teeth." And into. I I am not built to sell things to people. Yeah. So uh, it really just didn't work for me. Well, you sold me friendship. So That's you right. Did well, no, I, I just offered it to you. Um, yeah, but, we'll have to tell the story of how we met sometime. Yeah, someday. That'll be, a, that'll be another good anecdote at some point. For, for now, let's, let's start the wrap-up process. Yeah, this is considered one of the greatest albums of all time. How did it make you better? How did it make me better? Um, I think... I think this one made me better because it not only taught me that I need to dig into the meat of albums sometimes and actually look because I because I appreciate it. You know, when I yeah. first I'm not going to lie, you know, I'm not going to be a saint here. I don't really care if you're if a swine. I'm a swine. And as a swine does, I kind of scoffed when we first listened to it. And I remember that I. Yeah. You know, I, I think you always come to things with an honest heart. And I think I came into it and I was like, this is going to be a little bit wacky. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I'll give it a shot. And I think 
getting into it, it made me appreciate this album a lot more. But it also it it also reminds me that while you know we need to be aware of things going on in our world, but I think that much despair constantly can also twist and coil you. Like I I don't think I don't think Marvin Gaye constantly going into these problems was his solution going out. Like he was identifying things, but you know, he kind of he kind of kept going on his way at the end of the day. And I think it just goes to show that there's only so much introspectiveness that you can have before it becomes just negativity. And I think it's this constant balance that we have to start to develop of awareness, sorrow, sadness, but also looking for a way out and a way to to make things better the way we can do it, you know, in our own simple ways. And I, I yeah, I think I think this album taught me a lot. It's considered the the greatest album of all time. I don't think it's my greatest album of all time, but I do think that I understand why people think that, you know, why people would put this up as it. So, yeah. And this album really was kind of what I was looking for in terms of broadening my scope, because that was kind of the goal of this podcast for me, where I wanted to approach media that was out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And this was deep out of my comfort zone and I sought it out. I chased it out and I came out appreciating it a lot. It was, it was kind of a time machine for me where I could go back in time and get angry and say like, why are, are they sending back the, why are they sending these children off to war? Yeah. Um, It's just like so upsetting that like these, these young men died so pointlessly fighting and fighting for something that a lot of them probably didn't even believe in anymore. Mm. And it's just such a mess. And you know, it, it gave me just a wider perspective and appreciation. And I was able to live history and experience someone else's like actual political experience. This isn't, this isn't theoretical uh, politics. This isn't saying a quick zinger that will uh, decimate the other side. This is, this is Marvin Gaye's reality. Mm. And, you know, it was dealing with real issues. He was dealing with real issues and you know experiencing actual um emotion and personal problems mm. and that's real yeah and it's history but it's also relevant to today and it was incredibly meaningful to me and expanded my perspective as well as opening me up to new music as well this is not this is not something that i will throw on my regular playlist yeah but um, I am glad that like my world has opened up. Yeah, no, I feel like you got a lot from it. So yeah. that's 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 really cool to see. Um, yeah, guys, this has been Swine Before Pearls, um, where we make stuff up as we go and yep. figure it out. All right, and so let's talk about our schedule real quick yeah, before we'll we go. Yeah, talk about our schedule. Yeah, because if you want to keep up, we're gonna be we're um, gonna be continuing next... to butcher great works of yep. art. So next week we're gonna read Catcher in the Rye. Oh god. <clears throat> uh 
Oh boy, Joel. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta save your opinions for later. Reading isn't good. <laughs> JoJo's doing audiobook because JoJo don't read book words bad good. Okay. So then after that, we're going to do our in the field episode. So you can't follow along with us, unfortunately. I mean, I can send you a location and you no, can <laughs> us. I can yeah. give you our full okay. credit history yeah. and social security number. Yeah. So then after that, we're watching The Godfather, mm. and we're going to be listening. What are we listening to? You wrote it down. I did. Um, we'll be listening to something. I think it's... it's the number two album. Oh, I think it's the, is it the Rolling Stones? No, it's the number two album on the Rolling Stones top 500 list. No, no, but oh, I think it might be like legit oh. the Rolling Stones. Okay. Well, look. Hi, if that's you, a little narcissistic. Put yourself <laughs> up there at number two. If you want to know the album that we're going over, it'll be the number two yeah. Rolling Stones. And we'll, top we'll probably album. mention it up on our next episode. That yeah, should give we'll you look it plen- up beforehand. plenty of time to go through that great piece of work that we are most likely going to trample all over. Yeah. Watch us forget it. Watch us forget it. Hey, I'm actually probably going to start listening to it this week. We're though. humans. Yeah, Trent's yeah. going to have it on repeat in his car <laughs> until he hates it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to listen to it probably three times through and be like, yeah, that was, that was good. <laughs> I got what I needed from all that. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. I'm sure Joel does too. Hey, and if you're, you know, if you're on this roller coaster with us early enough, you're an OG fan. Um, I'm gonna bring back Rat Boy at some point at some point and <laughs> bring Rat Boy on the podcast. You know, when we're on Time magazine and you know, we're just rolling in money and and debauchery, one of you nerds is gonna come up in your Sonic the Hedgehog t-shirt and you're gonna say, Rat Boy, I got a Rat Boy tattoo, and I'm gonna look at you and be <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, this has been Swine Before Pearls. I'm Joel. That's Trent. We love you. All right, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Swine Before Pearls podcast. Our executive producers have been Joel Kennecutt, Trent Grauman, and Stephen Kennecutt. Music is by Twizzled and used with permission. For more podcast information and for more episodes, please go to podcast.swinebeforepearls.com.